Welcome to another edition of the Redbird Report. And uh, it's a bit of a monotone Sunday as uh, the Redbirds' trip to Terre Haute, Indiana yesterday uh, was not pretty at all. They took one right in the teeth, 84-54, trailed by as many as 40. Uh, they ended the game on a 10 nothing run to kind of make a 30-point loss look a little bit more respectable. Otherwise, they were down 84-44. Uh, I'm joined by my co-editor, Nate Head. And, Nate, we made the trip, and uh, it, there's really not much to say outside of that was an, an ugly showing from Illinois State. Yeah, you know, like you said, there isn't that much to say about it at this point. You know, we we broadcasted on Friday, I believe, and we both picked Indiana State to win. It seems like in this conference a lot of teams are defending their home court well. Um we expected that to be the case again, and it was uh, just a little bit, you know, to a degree higher than we, uh, you know, first thought. Just a really poor showing, poor showing by ISU, and you know, what can you say? The the one thing I'll say, and I had mentioned it on the last podcast, and I actually tweeted it out before the game that I I think Brenton Scott and and Jordan Barnes are two of the best guards, and obviously two of the best duos that you'll see in the Valley. I mean, I, they showed how good they were, and I said that there was no shot that they were going to be denied. I called it revenge from that game that they let slip away on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you what, Brenton Scott obviously finished the game with 23 points, uh, and Jordan Barnes finished with 14, and Jordan Barnes was just hitting. I mean, we like were talking said, about it. It, sounded like it. it seemed like he had more than, than 14. You they know, were. They, it was a big 14. Like, like, yeah. And uh, so the two of them played really, really well. I'm really impressed with them. I think Indiana State's a team that, uh, you know, come Arch Madness is going to be dangerous. I, I think they're a team that can, can surprise some people. And uh, I, I think if you're Illinois State, it's time to sit back and kind of realize what kind of team you are. I mean, 10 and 10, 4 and 4. This is this is a far cry from what they were last year at this time. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, you mentioned that the guard play from Indiana State, but and and that really stood out to me too. I you know, I talked to Muller after the game about it and I was really impressed with Barnes and Scott, uh, especially Scott. Obviously, that was a really big game from him. And you know, like we mentioned on you know, I think on the on the way home, you know, he had 23 points, but he didn't play for what, six to eight minutes in the first half with foul trouble. So imagine, you know, if he wasn't, you know, if he didn't pick up those two quick ones. So the guard play was great, but really there, there's more to it than that. You know, they, they have four people in, in um, you know, double figures, which is really impressive. And also, you know, Brandon Murphy is just, you know, huge A beast down there. A load. So... You know, and he's actually, you know, he's pretty athletic. He won the tip over Fane, so, you know, I liked their team a lot. That was the first time I had seen them. Uh, you covered the, the game on New Year's Eve. I was not, you know, at Redbird Arena, so, yeah, I was really impressed from what I saw from the second match. And obviously, uh, it was really the first half that did him in. I know we looked at each other with about four minutes to go, and we we asked each other what we thought they needed, what Illinois State needed to get the score down to uh, at half to have a shot in the in, in the second half when they come out of the break. And at first, I said it was going to be eight. Mm-hmm. This was going to be eight. And then I changed it because I think they I think the largest lead for Indiana State in the first half was – I'm trying to find it. 
and I can't find it. It was it was 15 at the break. They were up 15 at the break, uh, and I said they needed to go in but down by at least 12 because I think Indiana State went up by I believe it was 17 or 19. They they had a, they extended it pretty large, mm-hmm. and I said now they got to get it down to 12. But what what did them in was that 17 nothing run. Right out of the first media timeout. Obviously, Illinois State uh, struggled to score. Uh, David Njai scored the first two baskets, first four points. Actually, the first six points, his only six of the day for Illinois State. But, I mean, after that 17-0 run, it was kind of like the route was on. I mean, I thought that was the game there. I mean, in my head, you just kind of felt that was it. And the first half for Illinois State, I mean, you look at, they went nearly, I think it was almost... 12 and a half minutes, if not more, without a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I think that was something you pointed out to me during the game. Like, hey, they don't have a three yet, which is – this is a team that lives and dies by the three. I mean, that that's something that we talked – that Malik talked about a few weeks ago yeah. in a press conference, that this team's going to live and die by the three-pointer. And uh-huh. they died by it. Yeah. Let's say that. I mean, they shot one for eight from three-point – in the first half, uh, 37% overall, 10 for 27, and then you go down to Indiana State, who I, it, it was you put it perfectly. I mean, in, in your game story, 0 for 7 to start, and then they didn't miss many more after that. Yeah, 14 for 35 for 40% from the field, 8 for 20 for an, another 40% from three-point range, and uh, that's about all she wrote. But that first half, I mean. That 17 nothing run, I know we keep alluding to it, but I mean, I know for me that was what I thought it was over. Is that the same kind of – is that the same point where for you it was like, that? this is going to get ugly, this can get ugly? Yeah, definitely, because, you know, they go on that run and it's, you know, 17-4 to four and it's still, you know, early in the first half. So, you know, you would think, you know, 13 points early. But it was just something about that run that just, you know, I had no – I didn't see any indication that, you know, ISU would be able to, you know, overcome that and, and bounce back. Um you know, it was unfortunate because they started the game, you know, so well with back-to-back, um, you know, field goals by uh, by David Njai. So, you know, I had a good feeling from an ISU perspective. And then, you know, just the, the media timeout, I mean, it was, you know, pretty unbelievable, you know. for Whatever, was said, whatever Greg Lansing said to Indiana State got him going and it didn't stop. Right. <laughs> and, you know, like Lansing mentioned in, in the, you know, in his post-game thing, um, you know, they didn't score within the first media timeout, but they held ISU to only four points. So I think that's something that the Redbirds missed out on. Obviously, Indiana you know, State did, were not feeling it offensively. It would have been nice to see ISU maybe jump out to an 8-0 run, so then that 17-0 run wouldn't have been so devastating. So I don't know. After that, there just seemed to be no energy from the Redbirds, no, you know, fight, which was something that, you know, Mueller talked about. So I don't know. I mean, just pretty head-scratching to be honest and then to make matters worse for illinois state as if it wasn't already bad indiana state goes on i want to say it was a 10 nothing run or an eight nothing run late in that second half when they had when quidar davis had uh two dunks break the one three sit they had a 360 that just brought down the house Mm -hmm. then barnes had a uh alley-oop to uh, I believe it was Tyreek Key, and then to cap off the run that they went on, uh, Brenton Scott hit a three pointer and yeah, out naturally. Yeah, I mean he does not miss. I mean he during that stretch in the miss. second half, it, it literally felt like I was watching the Globetrotters. I mean they, they, they could were, do no wrong. I mean they were <laughs> they were. I had never seen that many consecutive breakaway 
you know, scores, and of course they weren't just. It was all in a span, though. It was all like a. It was like all in like a forty-five second span. You know, and then uh, you know, Kaidar Davis, you know, turns it into a dunk contest, and he's spinning around, (laughs) hooping it, and they're you know sinking threes. I mean, it was literally amazing. You said it uh, a couple times. You'd look over at me and say, "These guys do not miss," and they just really. I mean, it was pretty amazing to be honest. And to make matters. Even worse on that last on the last I want to say it was the second dunk of, da- of that Davis had uh, the turnover from Illinois State uh, went through one Redbird's hands and hit another in the head. I mean, it just summed up the day for Illinois State because that was the point where I looked at you and I said, "Did you just see who it just hit off? I, it, it just hit off that dude's head. I'm, we're gonna keep him nameless, uh, but." I mean, it was it was it, it just summed up the Redbirds day at Terre Haute. Now, I mean, they dropped to uh, they dropped their tenth of their last eleven in Terre Haute. I mean, I don't know what it is about that place that they can't win. Uh, and last year, you look back and Mikhail McIntosh scored thirty-one points uh, at the Holman Center, and I mean they. That that those are two different teams. I mean, yeah. Illinois State team. Probably because so uh, or tear out or whatever. Uh, <laughs> probably because it's so gloomy there. You know, when Man, ISU goes there, it was. Depressed. We walked out of there. We, we got there. It was like sunny, whatever. It's it looked a ghost okay. Town. And then we got out, and it was like you would have, It was like five o'clock there. It was like Man. maybe maybe it was like maybe six, and we're like, all right, maybe. Strange. Yeah. I don't know if we even saw like a car on the street uh, on the way out of town. I mean, we, we didn't did. see we didn't even see life forms until I, we got back. Like champagne. I mean, we were in like very, champagne. Very strange feeling around uh the arena so maybe that explains that yeah it, you could have added that to <laughs> it was man it, it was it, tarot it's an interesting place let me tell you but uh yeah it, it not a good loss and there are a few things in the press conferences that kind of stood out to me uh the number one thing that i took away was when I asked Muller about if this is the lowest point in the season, and usually coaches will give you the go round. They'll say, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, not the low point of the season, just a uh, just a bump in the road, uh, you know, some nothing that we can't get over." Uh, no, Dan fully embraced that this was the lowest point of the season. He literally looked uh, looked at us and said, "Yeah, absolutely." This is the low point of the season. And when you think about it, it's kind of hard not to think that it, it is the lowest point of the season. I mean, they had no fight yesterday. I mean, 84 points to Indiana State, who isn't a, you know, they're not like an offensive guru team that, you know, is scoring 84 points consistently. I think their, their season average was exactly like the Redbirds. It was sitting at like 72 and a half. So, I mean, you know, 12 points over isn't great, but, I mean, this isn't a team that's going to put up 84 consistently. And, and for a team who prides themselves on defense, 84 points is not going to get it done. And 20 games in, a 30-point road loss in conference play, uh, I think is a red flag for, for the Redbirds. Exactly. You know, you look at the scores around the conference, and they're you know pretty tight-knit and you know lower scoring, not necessarily you know high-scoring games. But, you know, for a, a minute there, we thought they were going to score 100 points, which that – I doubt there have been many 100-point scoring games in the Valley. Maybe maybe in overtime there might have been something like that. But it was just you know pretty much just amazing that the lack of defense. But, you know, like Lansing said, he said, you know, they didn't play very well, referring to, you know, in, uh, Illinois State. But 
give them credit too because they were making shots. I mean, even if they were defended, it didn't matter. It didn't seem. So, uh, you know, pretty incredible really. And this just kind of reinforces what we talked about on Friday, that the, the Valley's wide open. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, Missouri State just lost. And, you know, Drake, man, how about Drake? But, you know, that game is just one that, ISU is just going to have to try to put behind them, but at this point, it's just such a roller coaster. I mean, after a, a good game, full forty minutes against Bradley, I mean, they turn around and do this, and it's just yeah, like you said, twenty games in. I mean, this should not happen. This is something that that happens in your, you know, like non-conference tournament at, at Myrtle Beach is when this should happen. I mean, pretty, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah, and the last thing we'll talk about this before we kind of. Give our thoughts on the rest of the season and kind of what we kind of forecast. And, I, and it seems like every time we do a podcast, we kind of forecast the rest of the season. But it seems like every time we do a podcast, there's something new to talk about because we either see glimpses of greatness from this team or we see them drop, uh, or I should say lay an egg uh, like they did Saturday in uh, in Terre Haute. And, uh, but the last thing we'll mention about this game is Malik Yarborough. And he was... The center of attention, I would say, for Illinois State from the start of the pregame, let's go pregame, yeah. to the end of the game. He started out the game on the bench. He was not starting. I remember I looked at I looked at you. I said, he's not starting. We didn't know why. Uh, turns out he was late to the bus on Friday afternoon. Uh, and Dan said it perfectly again in the postgame. This is something that's been reoccurring, whether it's late to a team meal whether it's late to practice, whether it's late to the game or to the bus. Uh, and it's the same offender every time. Uh, he, and he said it. He said it's the immaturity of this team right now. I I don't I don't know when it, what it's going to take, uh, and, and you don't want to put a kid on blast, uh, but I don't know what it's going to take for a kid like Malik Yarborough to realize this is his team if he wants it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still think it is his team. Obviously, you're gonna you you can make the argument that well, Keyshawn and Phil are, are the captains; they're the leaders. It's their team. I I think it's Malik's because Malik can it, without Malik, this team isn't ten and ten. Without Malik, this team is probably six and fourteen, six and fourteen, something like that in that range. And in the Valley, uh, they probably drop a few of those close ones. They don't win at Evansville where he had twenty first half points. They don't win here at home against Indiana State where he had twenty nine points yeah. again. Like. I, without Malik Yarbrough, this team would be in just shambles. I mean, for sure they're playing Thursday night in St. Louis without Malik Yarbrough. Yeah. Uh, but what I don't know what it's going to take for him to kind of that 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 maturity light switch to kind of go off because you're still kind of every now and then, you know, he his body language on the court has gotten a lot better, but still it's the off court issues that leave you scratching your head at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, you said it. It's been multiple incidents this year and um you know before the game when the starters were announced we saw tinsley in the lineup we're like oh that's interesting that first start since december 6th at byu yeah so we're like whoa who's not starting and we're looking through it we're looking through we're like oh my goodness malik and you know the first thing is a lot of the other guys on the team we'd say oh is he injured it's malik what did he do now yeah so that's that's exactly that's what that's exactly because then I went over to uh, the other side of press row and I told Jim Benson I said hey Jim have you seen the starters and he said no I said take a look 
And he looked and he goes, I wonder what he did now. That's the first thing out of his mouth. It, yeah. it, 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 and that's just it. And that's not what you should be saying about a player like Malik. Exactly. So, you know, for his first, you know, 16 games this season, he's playing at a level or a, you know, player of the year of this conference. You know, that, that's the level he was playing at. And now, you know, he's had a couple rough games. That's fine. You know, you're not going to put 25 up every game. But he needs to, you know, continue competing and, you know, giving his team, you know, the best possible chance to, to win. And that starts with him, you know, being committed and, and, and being on the floor and starting because that's what player of the year candidates do. And, um, you know, also, you know, you, you got to hope his knee and, you know, his ankle kind of, yeah, he had some bumps and bruises yesterday, but you hope those are okay. And I don't know. I mean, it's definitely um, something that should not be happening at this point. No, and, and you mentioned it. That's where, that's where we're going next. That's why Malik Yarborough stayed the center of attention for Illinois State in the first half. Uh, it was pretty early on. I'd say it was probably it was during that seventeen nothing run, if I'm not mistaken, of Indiana State that he kind of tweaked his ankle. It looked like I, it, it looked like he was holding his foot, um, you know, it, that that lower body injury. Uh, he went to the bench, kind of wobbled around, but he came back in, uh, and then in the second half, I this this play if he would have gotten scot free he would have brought down the he would have broke oh, the backboard man. like Shaq but i mean you've seen him you know he caught the pass and he just loaded up locked up and just went to posterize yeah. uh Brendan Murphy which was the wrong person on the 275 floor. i think he's what 68 yeah, anybody else he probably does it because i remember he got up there and he had that thing you know, cock back. I thought he really was going to do it, but then, you know, Brandon Murphy's not going to let that happen. He's just not going to. Yeah. Without a hard foul, at least, and it was a hard foul. Malik came down very hard on his knee. I remember the sound of his knee hitting, you know, the floor. So, um, and yeah, he didn't get up. He didn't get up for a while, and it was pretty concerning. And then, you know, Munn went out there, and, you know, I don't know. He came back five minutes later and played one minute, and, and Muller said that Malik told go. him said he couldn't go. So, you know, you have to wonder if he'll be back by Wednesday, and you know, we'll see. And, and they're going to need him at U and I. I mean, that even though U and I struggling, uh, you still never want to go into Cedar Falls without your leading scorer, um, and obviously a player of the caliber of Malik Yarborough. But the last topic we have to talk about today uh, is the rest of the season outlook. I, I put in my column yesterday that Redbird fans and Redbird basketball needs to be legitimately concerned that they're going to be playing on Thursday night in St. Louis. And, again, I'm not sure the last time that has happened. Uh, I'd have to look that one up because I don't think it's probably been – I bet you it was probably around the 2005-ish, 2005-ish time that they played in the playing games. Uh, down at the conference tournament, and so uh, it, it's it's been some time, I'm sure, and I think people need to be concerned because if they continue playing 500 basketball, all you have to do, I truly believe, all you have to do is finish one game below 500 in the valley, and you're playing Thursday night. Uh, you might be the seventh seed, but you're still playing Thursday night, and I just don't see a way that they can go to Missouri State, go to Loyola, go to UNI. Go to Valpo, um, and obviously they they host Valpo, and they'll host you and I again. I just don't see a way that 
they can f- string something together here and finish in the top four. I think they're going to finish somewhere uh, five, six, or under. Um, and that's a drastic a drastic drop from, from what I had them at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had them at 13-5 and five overall in the Valley uh, at the preseason. And I think that's... One loss left to play with. I, I, and I think that uh, here coming up, I think they're going to have six after they go to... After they finish up this next three-game span. I think they go to you and I on Wednesday night and drop that one. Yep, I think um, they lose as well. And we'll, come, and we'll talk about you and I more in depth on Wednesday when we uh, bring out the Wednesday edition and kind of preview that game against you and I. Uh, I think they drop you and I. I think they come home, beat Valparaiso, coming off two back two two losses. I think they'll beat Valpo, and then I think they go to Missouri State, and I think they drop that one. Uh, and, and it's not a good position that Illinois State basketball is in. Uh, but you know what? It, it's it could be a lot worse because it could be like last season where. You know Drake, Evansville, and even Indiana State, who only finished with five conference wins. Uh, you know it could be a lot worse where you're sitting there and you know your your fate is St. Louis. Right now, they still control the fact that they could turn this thing around, and they're they're capable of doing so. Uh, but I just don't think so. I, I don't know your thoughts on that, Nate. It's, you know, pretty similar to you. I think they're going to play. You know, at least for that you know foreseeable future. Um, I think they're just going to play 500 ball. I think they're going to lose the road games, and I think they're going to win at home because that's just how it's been going, really. And the Missouri State game is going to be interesting on the road. It seems like they, you know, play up to their competition. So when they're playing a team like Missouri State, they'll they'll they, the competition level, energy level is never questioned. But when they play a team maybe in the mid to, you know, you know bottom of the of the valley, it seems like they, you know, don't bring that intensity. But at this point, I don't see them winning on the road you know uh, not for a while and I think they'll do I think they'll clean up you know Valparaiso on Saturday and who knows I mean we'll be talking on Thursday I'm sure or, or, or something like that and we could have a different wow outlook but because that's just you know how the season's been going one game like you said one game will be like wow what a you know what a great team what a great game and the next game it's wow <laughs> that was terrible so I don't know what team you're going to see on a given night, and I think that consistency is just going to, you know, continue to go up and down, up and down, you know, and that that equals 500 ball. And, and the thing that the thing for that's probably most frustrating for Redbird fans is <laughs> some people are probably we were talking about it mid football season. There are some people during that stretch, especially after the Redbirds lost to Southern Illinois 42 to seven, when I said ah, a lot of people are probably counting down a basketball season. I don't think people expected this 10 and 10 season or this type of a roller coaster season out of this team because uh, I think expectations were really, really high, especially with Malik Yarborough, uh, all the expectations and hype that surrounded him. You got transfers like William Tinsley coming in. Uh, you had Zach Copeland before he became academically ineligible. Uh, you had a lot of guys that were supposed to be a part of this team uh, that are not. Uh, Christian Romine being one of them, but uh, it, it, it's an interesting season that they've had, uh, and it's only I, I agree. I think they they're going to finish around. I bet you they finish. I bet you they finish with sixteen wins. I, I think that's appropriate. I think they probably win. I, 
and I, and even saying 16 wins is 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 I think pushing it a little bit there. But we'll see what happens. It, it, it's going to be an interesting finish, and they've got a big one Wednesday night. And I know they had the day off today. Dan said so. They this is I think it's a soul searching day for them. I think it's a day that you kind of sit back, you watch film, and you try to figure out who you are as a team because it's getting late pretty early here in the season. And obviously, 10 games left, it's getting late anyway, but it's early to be getting late. I mean, now every game out is a big game, and uh, their backs are up against the wall, and uh, we'll see how they respond. And for Redbird fans out there, I just don't think they're going to respond the way that people hope. Uh, but for now, that's all we have on this edition. Nate, any final words uh, for the people out there? Oh, no final words, really. Just, uh, you know, stay confident, you know, if you're a big Redbird fan because the team has shown signs of life. And, you know, maybe this is just a, you know, midseason crisis. Who knows? We'll have to find out. Obviously, again, wrapping up a 84-54 Illinois State loss at Indiana State yesterday. Uh, you can catch full coverage of that online, or you can pick up a Monday morning edition of the Vedette that will be coming out tomorrow and catch all our coverage there. Women's basketball uh, looking to sweep the weekend as they picked up a victory over Evansville and right now are currently losing to Indiana State at Indiana State. Go figure. Uh, but we will have full coverage of that as well in tomorrow's edition of the Vedette. For Nate Head, I'm Michael Mara. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.